0: Welcome to an encore presentation of Compassion Radio 360. Good morning, honey. It's time for 360 here on Compassion Radio, which means a look around. It's been an interesting morning for both of us. Um, Just a couple days ago, of course, a certain groundhog of certain (laughs) fame in a certain state of Pennsylvania popped his head up out of the ground and looked around. And apparently, according to the media reports, he saw his shadow, which Mm. then proclaimed that there would be six more weeks of winter. And the world seemed to melt down on that news. (laughs) Exactly. It's a silly ritual, but it's a great tradition of our American culture. It's not that trivial in that I think everyone's feeling like When will this winter of our discontent ever cease? And when certain things tip us a certain way, we have to deal with the fallout of those things. It is a worldwide generational struggle we're in with just one virus. Yeah. But it represents a whole lot of other things we're struggling through, which is how to be at peace in situations that are not, on the face of them, peaceful.
1: Well, the virus in and of itself is a terrible thing, an eye-opening situation for the world at large. I mean, this virus didn't just devastate our lives with its presence. It really began to reveal a lot of deep, deep trauma and hurt that was already festering in our world.
0: Latent anxiety. Latent anxiety. We'll bring up some examples of how that anxiety is playing itself out today. We're not sitting here on this program thinking, okay, the world's going to hell in a handbasket What can you do? That's not the theme of this program. The theme is always for our Friday programs to take a real look around us and then ask God what he wants to tell us about this. Yeah. And from that, we can view the world through his lens, which is the spirit of God himself. Mm -hmm. He sees what we're going through.
1: Well, he always has a vision for what could be, what should be in the kingdom of God.
0: Perspective matters, you know. We don't have our great-great-grandparents still available to us to tell us what it was like to go through the cholera epidemics of the late 19th century or the pandemic that went across the world toward the end of World War One, when the Spanish flu killed tens and tens of millions yeah. around the world. We do still have some people who are willing to talk about what they went through and the massive fear that raged through the planet during the polio epidemics Mm -hmm. right after World War II. Mm -hmm. These are real things that happened just within a generation or two of us, but we don't hear about them much, probably because the trauma locked it away for so many families, and they didn't talk about it. It was that kind of lockdown for our parents or grandparents in those years But we don't think about that, that our people have been through this before. We think this is the only time this has ever, ever happened because it's happening to us.
1: Yeah, we have broader resources for information and we see it on the news and we hear it on the radio. We see it on social media. There's so much information just inundating us. Mm -hmm. It's hard to assimilate any of that.
0: Nor should we take everything and we hear? Exactly. That's probably the other biggest threat. There used to be a time when America in general, of whatever political stripe or religious persuasion, could look at the news as being a neutral source of information. And because of that, you could make your own mind up and have a discussion that was civil. We don't live in those times anymore because we have allowed the media to abrogate their responsibility to tell the truth.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We have an echo chamber out there, and it clues our own personal social media. We can block out any message we don't like and decide what is true for us. We make up our own truths. I'm not just talking about facts. I'm talking about meaning. Yeah. What does what we're going through really mean? To the heart of God, and therefore should mean to the heart of men. Mm-hmm. I have three stories that we'll just touch on, and then we'll talk about how they actually relate to each other. The first is, when we got up this morning, the news came through from every news media outlet out there that President Biden had announced that the leader of ISIS had been killed in a raid to try to capture him in northern Syria. Mm-hmm. The last part of his name, by the way, was al Qureshi. And that name means where he comes from or what he is of. His predecessor, the one that formed ISIS, his name was al-Baghdadi. He became who he was in Baghdad in the prisons run by the Americans during the Iraq war. Okay. He had been captured more than once. He adopted that heritage as being who I am. He wasn't from Baghdad necessarily, okay. but because he was formed there, huh. that's who he was. He took on that title. But al-Baghdadi is how we know him in the West. And he was killed in a bomb blast in Mosul sometime back a couple of years ago. But we have this al Qureshi. Qureshi refers to all the Arab people that are focused on Mecca. Hmm. The name itself means to bring together, or in this case, I would say he's the one that's holding it together. So the ISIS state is under great persecution, they feel, from the world. And I think they're rightly judging that. The Mm -hmm. entire world has passed judgment on ISIS, saying we cannot endure this much longer or tolerate this any longer. Right. We have to deal with this. There's an existential threat to peoples and to nation states, to economies, to health and welfare of the entire world Mm -hmm. if groups like this continue to win. Mm
1: -hmm. So in some ways, he thought he was the guy that was going to bring all of these groups together and hold them together.
0: Yeah. It's a very militant view of how to have peace by force. They believe in their minds that they're making peace. Second story. We've got a standoff right now at the Ukraine border between Russia and the entire world. Mm -hmm. It's not just about Ukraine anymore. And the propaganda they're pouring back on the Russians are, we are the ones under assault. We were made promises 30 years ago that the rest of the world would not encroach upon us. When the Soviet Union broke up, all of these nation states came into being that had been under the empire of the Soviet Union before that, including Ukraine, which was the breadbasket. Right. They have created a narrative that they are the ones that are the victims. Are these free people who can decide associations or are they not? Or are they properties, possessions, slaves of the state? Mm, yeah, We, the great Russian people, deserve this. This is our territory. That's the narrative. It's a lie, and it's a falsehood, and it's a narrative that cannot be proven in history. Yet that's the one they're selling in their media. Mm. There have been things that were promised to them that were not held up by the West, and they've taken advantage of those to leverage their own narrative. That's what I see happening on that border. So how can peace be made in a situation like that? Hmm. There's a lot of Christians in Ukraine that are looking at the whole history saying, the lie is there. We do exist, but we are not ungenerous people. We are brothers to many other Rus peoples across Eastern Europe and across Asia, but we were the place where it all really started. And they're actually right about that historically. That doesn't mean that they're superior to the rest of the Rus brothers, but it gives them a sense of identity and purpose for the sacrifices that might come next. Yeah. The funny thing is that we've seen in the news that the Ukraine president has literally told the world, dial down the rhetoric here. We're the ones about to get stopped on if all what you say is about to happen. We don't want it to happen, so chill. Right. So when the president of the country that's under threat tells the rest of the belligerents around them, back off. Your voice, the words you use, the attitudes you portray, the anger you project, dial it back.
1: It doesn't help them.
0: It doesn't help the cause of those around them, which is precisely the point. When he wants peace, he wants peace for his people. He would love to make peace happen there. Hmm. It's a quandary for all on the outside. It's a quandary for those on the inside. How can you make peace in a situation like that? Hmm. Last story. This has to do with something that's an ongoing issue. There's been a lot of existential threats to people over the course of the pandemic and the the depression that comes with isolation, mm-hmm. we know that the numbers of people committing suicide are rocketing
2: yeah.
0: around the world and in age groups that have never seen them before in huge numbers. Even mm-hmm. young people, younger than teenagers, are committing suicide. Mm-hmm. Depression pushing from a lot of directions. Our military, they say that there's between 50 and 70 people in our own military United States that are out of service now that are committing suicide every single day. Yeah. That, to me, is a pandemic we're not talking about. Yeah. We don't even know how to approach that because there's so much shame societally on the issue of suicide. And even the families that are suffering through this don't want to talk about it so much because of all of the accusations that come in on that. Like, why didn't you do more? Yeah. Why didn't you save them?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Same thing with drug abuse. As people are taking more drugs and they take more dangerous drugs, they're dying around the country.
1: Thankfully, there is coming conversations on mental health issues and these kinds of things. And it's happening more and more. It just seems that it's ramping up on both sides. There's more suicides. There's more mental health issues. There's more trauma being brought to light, which begets more trauma. And the conversations about mental health are not catching up to it quite yet. For those of us who have worked in mental health issues and those of us who have had mental health issues, we know that there's always a catch-up game. We have to figure out how we're going to address that issue. And in the meantime, the issue keeps running out in front of us. These are real real people with real hurts and pains that need to be looked at and addressed. And there has to be a way to bring peace to those people as well and to those families.
0: I read an article last week about the expanding universe and how they're trying to judge how old the universe really is and how can you really know when the outsides of our universe are flying away from us faster than the speed of light. I thought, what an interesting concept. We may not be able to know what's beyond that horizon ever. Yeah. When you think about things receding from you faster than you could ever catch up, that so much of the universe can never, ever potentially be visited or understood because it will disappear eventually completely in every way possible. That's an amazing thought. Everything you know right now, even that will disappear someday and we'll be left alone.
1: But even in seeing the stars that are in our galaxy, the ones that we will ever know, they're still so far removed from us that we will not reach them. Most In our lifetime, is not lifetimes. a practical thing. Yeah.
0: I think about the receding universe idea. If it's running away so fast from you... You're always playing catch up, but you will never catch up. Mm -hmm. When you talk about Mm -hmm. people that are suffering through economic or emotional struggles where they really had hard, hard knocks, the trauma's there. They're always playing catch up. You grew up as a refugee in a refugee camp, and now you're settling in a new country you've never been to and have to learn the language. You will always in your life be playing catch up
2: Mm.
0: your entire life. If you are always in that position of feeling like you're always behind, how do you find peace with that? And how do you reconcile your place in history? You're stuck there. Is there a way to see yourself part of the human family again? Mm. Is there a way for the human family to feel like these people that are trying to catch up are part of us, not some others that we have the right to leave behind? That's a big question. And I think it's a question for the family of God around the world, too. That, my friends, is the setup to all we want to talk about in the last few minutes of this program. Compassion Radio will continue to keep bringing you encouragement from the word inspiring stories from the front lines of faith, and awesome opportunities to make a difference for the kingdom around the world. But we need your help right now to continue doing just that. Please, take a moment today to consider how you might help us to accomplish our unique media ministry and mission. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Thank you, friends, for standing with Compassion Radio during these times of great change to our normal life. Of course, there's nothing normal about our situation, but there's also nothing normal about the kind of faith and power we find in Jesus. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. Our mailing address is Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Since we're focusing right now on the needs of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, you can also text "Serve Ukraine" one word to five three four four five to get through your phone right now. And now back to our discussion. The theme of this program—now we're getting the brass tacks here—is blessed are the peacemakers. Hmm. I want us to read through the beatitudes from Matthew five. At the heart of it, in the middle of it, is this phrase, peacemakers.
1: I'm going to read from the Passion Translation, and this is from Matthew 5. One day, Jesus saw a vast crowd of people gathering to hear him, so he went up the slope of a hill and sat down. With his followers and disciples spread over the hillside, Jesus began to teach them. What happiness comes to you when you feel your spiritual poverty, for yours is the realm of heaven's kingdom? What delight comes to you when you wait on the Lord, for you will find what you long for? What blessing comes to you when gentleness lives in you, for you will inherit the earth. How enriched you are when you crave righteousness, for you will be satisfied. How blessed you are when you demonstrate tender mercy, for tender mercy will be demonstrated to you. What bliss you experience when your heart is pure, for then your eyes will open to see more and more of God. How joyful you are when you make peace for then you will be recognized as a true child of God. How enriched you are when persecuted for doing what is right, for then you experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. How blessed you are when people insult and persecute you and speak all kinds of cruel lies about you because of your love for me. So leap for joy, since your heavenly reward is great, for you are being rejected the same way the prophets were before you.
0: I believe that these things are all linked. They're not just little snippets saying this thing, that thing, this thing. Mm. I believe the order that Jesus taught this is important. And something I would like to highlight at the beginning here is that I do believe that Jesus is talking to his family. This is not just a general information session where you have an introductory to Christianity 101 here. He says the multitudes were upon him. So he said, okay, I'm going to go sit over here. Those who want to be in close, I'm going to teach them. And all those who really knew him already were the ones that were in the inner circle. Right. Maybe 12, maybe 70, maybe a couple hundred or more that sat down with him. They were the core. The rest are listening over the shoulders of those who want to know God. Mm. But he's not necessarily speaking to all them. They get the benefit of being able to listen in on this teaching session. But I don't believe he's saying to the entire world, do all these things, or this is what you're like. They're not like that. There are plenty of people hanging around the outside edges there that don't care a whit about what Jesus says about these things. Mm -hmm. They want to find a reason to accuse him and slam him. They'll never want to be on the inside of all this. But for those who do, he's speaking to them. Mm. So when Jesus begins to teach them, he starts off with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think he's saying that when you realize that compared to what God is or has for you, you've got nothing, Mm -hmm. and that you are poor if you don't get what God has.
1: Well, I like this translation, too, because it says when you recognize your spiritual poverty, Mm -hmm. when you feel it, when you see it, when you begin to realize, hey, there's something that's missing here that I could have more of if I just focused on God's plan. It's the starting
0: point. That's what I want to say about the Beatitudes. It is the first step. Next one, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He's saying your emotional life matters. The things you experience, the traumas you go through are important to recognize and know before you can go to the next step. Mm -hmm. Then he moves on to the meek, not wussy or incapable or unenergetic people. It means those who withhold what they need to withhold and give what they need to give at the right and proper times. They're people that are well restrained. They don't just blow up. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: They restrain themselves. Those kind of people are going to be the ones who inherit the earth because they can be trusted.
1: Well, it speaks to gentleness, which is is. a fruit of the Holy Spirit.
0: And then six, you've got, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They're going to be filled. Learn what's good for your soul and your body. I mean, eat the things you need, and then you get hungry for those things. When kids shift away from eating sugar all the time, they just crave it, crave it, crave it until their body finally resets and they get good food, and they get healthier as they go along. They don't crave the garbage anymore. Mm. I mean, that's just a physical analogy. But beyond that, we're talking about spiritual things. Learn what real food is. Learn to feed yourself with those things. You will be filled Mm -hmm. because God's got plenty of that kind of food out there. And then mercifulness, being able to be merciful to those who don't deserve it. Mercy is not about rewarding those you like or people that did the thing you wanted to. It's about giving mercy to those who need it, Mm
2: -hmm. whether
0: they ask for it or not. Those are the kind of people that receive mercy. You will be shown mercy, period. Whether you deserve it or not, you're going to get mercy because you're that kind of person. These are transactional. In other words, Jesus is saying, do these things so you can experience these things. Right. But that does not mean that these are conditional for salvation. I want to make sure we don't get stuck in that hole. Next is pure in heart. When your motivations, when your motives are clear and you're not self-motivated, when it's about God and it's about his truth and you're saying, God, show me. That's a pure and heart person. Mm -hmm. They're not trying to force their agenda on God. They're saying, What do you have for me? Help me to see. God says, You will see me. It's Mm -hmm. a promise. Mm -hmm. And then blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Okay. That's where we got to spend a couple minutes. To make peace, you have to be the kind of person that Jesus has just described up to that point. Mm. I don't believe it's possible to jump into peacemaking without being those kind of people. They're building blocks. This is maturity here. These are people who have grown up and grown through and because of the word of God alive in their hearts. I believe peacemakers, people that can bring peace to a situation and build what seems impossible to everybody else, are the kind of people who represent and present the kind of qualities that Jesus has been talking about in verse 3 through Mm 8.
1: Well, we just talked about John 14 a couple of weeks ago on the broadcast of Chasing the Word, and we talked through the whole speech or the whole teaching that Jesus is giving his followers just before he goes to the cross about, I leave peace with you, Mm -hmm. my peace, not the world's kind of peace, but the peace that comes from a deep well of knowledge of the Holy Spirit, of the Father. And that's the kind of peace that Jesus is leaving with his followers. We cannot be peacemakers ourselves until we experience that deep peace that Jesus is talking about in John 14, the peace that he's leaving through the gift of the Holy Spirit.
0: Right. And that is a meal for us to feast on, to feed our souls. But it's also seed. These are things to plant. Peace is a seed. It's something that's planted within us and needs to grow there. But it's also something we plant in the world and the people around us. I do believe that this is the work of people who are really sold out to God, that really have experienced him. You can't help but bring peace to a situation if you understand who God is and how good he is. Mm -hmm. The next phrase, these people will be called children of God. I've always kind of wondered about that. Well, of course they're children of God. They believe they're following him. They're part of his family, right?
2: Mm.
0: No, what he's saying is people will look at people like this and say, they're just like God. Mm. They have his likeness. You know, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, says Jesus. Well, if the peace of God is in you, if people look at you, they've seen Jesus. Yeah. And therefore they've seen God. They see the resemblance in the family. How could you not say to somebody who's making peace like that, that exudes all the fruit of the Spirit, and say, oh, they're of the devil? That makes no sense. The devil is a destroyer. And what you've just shown me are people that build, mm. that save, that grow, and that invest and make good things happen, because that's the kind of people they are. Mm
2: -hmm, mm -hmm.
0: Friends, the kind of peacemaking we're talking about is the kind of peace that is grown organically, but is also intentionally built and goes to places where other people say it's impossible. Ukraine. We'll use that example again as we close our program. We know of people that while the war with Russia was ramping up back in 2014-2015, and the occupation began of Luhansk and Donetsk in that part of eastern Ukraine. The Christians rushed to the border not to fight the Russians, but to find out what was going on, because God said, "Go find out." They didn't know what they were going to walk into. What they found was a war-torn area, no- man's land, where there were orphans running around. And they didn't even know whose children these people were. They gathered them up and brought them to safety and fed them
2: mm-hmm.
0: not because they. Wanted to be in the business of running orphanages or things, but because they were there. God said, These people, take care of them. The story comes out later that most of those children were the orphans of Russian separatists that had been fighting against the Ukrainian government, and nobody had the wherewithal or the intention to save those children on the other side. So here were these Ukrainian Christians that were suddenly caring for the orphans of their enemies. Mm. They built a church in the middle. It wasn't long before people on the other side of the border realized these people have loved our children.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Pretty soon they had a church that was drawing people from both sides of the conflict into a tent to hold worship services in between the front lines of these armies.
1: And our Compassion Radio listeners helped support that church for quite a while.
0: They did. And that church still exists Mm -hmm. and is still ministering. It's still doing the same work now. And they're ready for whatever God brings them. If it brings peace to that border and settles a conflict, God bless them. They're thrilled for that. If God allows conflict to happen, they will continue serving Jesus in the trenches. Yes. That right there, I think, is the perfect metaphor for what the kingdom of God is needing to be about in all of the conflicts we see around us. Mm -hmm. Remember, when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he's not talking about a military thing. He's not addressing state leaders. He's addressing his disciples. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You be the peacemakers. Does that mean we have to go proclaim a message to the governments and make them change their hearts and change their ways? Well, I don't know. Maybe that might happen. I don't think that's what he's pointing at at all. Those things will take care of themselves on the state level. Where you are, you can make peace.
1: Mm. Well, I think the issue is here, to the word usage. We think about peacemakers as... The military going in, yeah. you know, with their guns and protecting a border. That's a peacekeeper. That's yeah. different. And the same keepers, thing is true of
0: police. And- yeah.
1: Well, and peacekeepers don't often address the real issues at hand. Yeah. They just want conflict to stop. They mm-hmm. just want to keep they start things, and end wars. Yeah, yeah. Keep things status quo, basically that is that's a different scenario we do that in our own lives sometimes mm-hmm. we keep the peace we don't talk about things we don't we don't deal with conflict or issues or yeah. trauma like we talked about in the suicide and the mental health side of things we don't deal with trauma we just want to keep the peace we don't upset anybody right. you know and that is a different scenario the peacemakers the scripture says joyful are those who make peace mm-hmm. You go in, and it means you have to sometimes deal with difficult things. You have to talk about hard stuff. You
0: have to go to your enemies. You
1: have to go to your enemies and take care of their children. Mm -hmm. That's what peacemaking requires of us. And I got to say, I am not always up for that. Yeah. That's a tough thing. Yeah, it is. But it's the right thing to do. And Scripture promises that it will bring us joy. Mm Mm-hmm and will be recognized as a true child of God.
0: And that's what we're leaving you with, the 360 this week on Compassion Radio. Thanks so much for sharing your time with us. Let God speak to you about what it means to be a peacemaker right where you are today. And we'll see you back again Monday on the next Compassion Radio, Chasing the Word.
2: My soul, my soul, be fine, be filled with love that won't run dry, in barren desert or harvest time. My soul, my Remember, soul.
0: none of this is possible without you. Just call us at 1-800-868-2478. Write us at Compassion Radio, P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. You can also text Serve Ukraine, one word, to 53445 to give through your phone right now. Or make your gift through our website.